Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. When I was writing How to Be Married, I researched an entire chapter on the importance of gratitude. In fact, I traveled all the way to India to try to mine the different ways that gratitude can impact a marriage. But the most profound thing I heard about gratitude back then actually came from a friend of mine right here in the States. I'd watched as Rocky and her husband Agan fought for their daughter Satya's life after the little girl was diagnosed with cancer. They could have let that break them, but they didn't. They fought and persevered, and in the end, they were grateful. Here's Rocky. Life is full of these, like, small, insignificant disappointments. But it is very hard to focus on them when when you're like me or like us, and you know that all of this didn't have to be for you. It was almost all erased. And you got this second chance to, like, be a mom and to be a family. And I just can't help but think that the second chance is to just see the world clearly, to live it not only presently, but to live all of it and to feel all of it and to really squeeze out the joy in it. Because focusing on that little shit, it just brings the whole thing down. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. Rocky and Agan met at a friend's Christmas party. It was like a gathering of Indians who don't celebrate Christmas. And uh, we, we were at our friend's place, and our friend sort of like, I guess they plan to introduce us, or they say now that we're married for nine years, and so it like makes them feel good. But no one actually really introduced us. But I introduced myself to Agan, and then, um, and then I friended him on Facebook. And then I asked him, I don't know, did I ask you out to dinner or something? No, I asked you out to dinner like a few months later. That's right. And then you asked me out to dinner and then I had to interview Hillary Duff in the middle of our, our drink. I thought she was a little bit crazy, but like in a good way. Uh, so she, Rocky was really interesting. Uh, she kept my attention the whole time, which I could say was more than what most uh, 
most women were at that time. I, I've been saying interesting things to you for nine years. I can say they're not that years. they're not that interesting <laughs> anymore. It was actually the first time that Rocky, whose parents are both Indian, had ever dated an Indian guy. She'd just broken up with a longtime boyfriend and thought maybe it was something she should give a try. I remember when I met Agan, or when we ended up sort of like going on the date and a few other dates after that, how how comfortable it felt. And comfortable in a way that was like surprising to me because I guess all of like the things from childhood and growing up and, you know, your mother's accent and the foods and you didn't have to talk about it. It was just all in your sort of like shared communal history. Like I remember being just delighted by that comfort. I remember on our second date, we were at Leo's in Hoboken. We were like sitting in the window, you know, and um, I said something I, like, referenced marriage, and I said something about, like, oh, when my mom lives with us. And I just said, oh, I've always seen my life, you know, as my parents get older as, like, a person who would take care of, of her parents, you know, when they aged. And and I remember just saying that casually in the conversation, and he didn't even flinch. And I was like, oh, well, here you go. Where have you been? They got engaged a year after they met at that Christmas party of Indians who don't celebrate Christmas. Rocky's dad had me for lunch. And kind of asked me the whole, grilled me a little bit, said, what are your intentions? What's your plan? And I said, I don't really know what my plan is. And he didn't like that answer too much. But I was just sort of messing with them. I told him I knew we wanted to get married. I just didn't know what the exact timetable was. But it would happen pretty soon. He was pretty happy with that answer. And then maybe about a month or so from then, I had another talk with him. And I said, I'm ready to propose. I told him and I told my parents. Then that day, Rocky and I went out. She had made reservations at this restaurant where we sat in a birdcage. Oh, no, I forgot about the birdcage, actually. It was the weirdest, weirdest thing. But then we came back from New York into Hoboken, and uh, we sat down on a bench down by the river, talked for a little bit, and then I asked her if she would marry me. And then she cried a lot. And we made a few phone calls, and that was pretty much it. She did say yes, obviously, too. I remember after you asked me to marry you, there was like a movie letting out. And so we had this, like, really intensely, like, private moment while we were just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, this, like, movie Under the Stars let out. Like, I don't know, hundreds of people started rolling by. It's so weird how, like, something so monumental can happen in your life. And, like, you feel very frozen and alone in that moment. And then all of a sudden, like, everyone's lives were just going on. And we were having this, like, deeply emotional, personal thing happen. It was actually funny. I forgot about that. Their wedding was this massive thing that lasted for six days and nights. It was like this majestic, magnificent Indian affair with 500 of our closest friends and family, my dad's barber, my trainer, like, you name it. Like, if we knew them, they were there. It was so interesting because Agan and I, while our families are different religions, I was raised Hindu. Agan's family is Sikh. I thought a lot about honoring both traditions, the ones that were our parents, but also the ones that were ours. I had envisioned a wedding where, you know, we'd walk around, like the Hindu wedding, where you'd wear the big red linga, you'd walk around the fire seven times, and that's just not what a Sikh wedding is like. And and it was sort of, like, interesting to navigate everyone's traditions and everyone's hopes, and we ended up doing two ceremonies. And one of them was in my parents' living room with my dog, and it was just, I don't know, it was so intensely full of family and hope and love and just everyone was so generous about 
wanting to make sure that all of the families felt comfortable and welcome and that they were being honored. And it was the most loving, delightful time. I remember at the end of it all, just thinking that like, looking around and just thinking about how, how surrounded by love we were. We are, we still are. Rocky had this idea in her head of what her life would be like after she got married. I figured the way that I had always seen it is that we would, um, we'd have three children. And I always imagined us as the kind of people who would, yeah, we'd have like a big family. We'd have a house at the beach. And that's just, I always imagined like this big, I, I always just imagined our home being at least five people. And three years after they got married, Rocky got pregnant. They had a little girl named Satya. Let's take a break here. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty-turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Rocky's plans were all coming to fruition. She'd married the love of her life, and now they had a five-month-old daughter. Everything seemed perfect. And then Satya started getting sick. I remember just taking her to the doctor repeatedly um, because I felt like she wasn't well. I felt like her... I kept saying, like, her eyes look far away. Um... And I just, like, had this overwhelming feeling that, that she wasn't well. Like, I remember hearing it, and I, I remember saying it to Ugin a lot. And I was just like, the, the baby's not well. The baby's not well. And there was no, like, for all intents and purposes, she was just fine, right? Like, there was no crazy fevers. There was nothing that you could really track that wasn't well. But I just had this weird feeling. And then finally, I had this, like, amazing uh, pediatrician, this, like, She was just, I felt like she really understood me. And she just finally said, like, if you think something's wrong with the baby, you know what, let's just check. Let's get urine, let's get blood. And let's check to see if everything's okay with her. And the urine came back in 24 hours. They called me and they said, everything's fine. And I was like, well, I guess maybe I'm losing it, right? Or first time mom or postpartum or you can call it whatever you want. And then 36 hours later, they called me. Ugin was in Texas. 
and they said, you have to rush her to the hospital. I was working in a newsroom at the time, and I remember like feeling like I was going to collapse, and my editor-in-chief put me in a car to go home. And they said to rush her to the hospital because she had a bacteria strain that was hyper-resistant to oral antibiotics, and so she would need IV drugs. So we took this tiny five-month-old baby. I had to call my brother because Agun was traveling. And we took this tiny baby, my brother, my mother, my father, me, and my sister-in-law, to the pediatric ER. I was so unprepared because of the things that were going to happen, but also, like, the small things, like catheterizing a five-month-old baby. And, like, to do it all without Ugan was just... It was so overwhelming because I was already going through so many things. I was breastfeeding her. She was so little. And I remember throwing up in the ER room. And I just remember feeling like, what a failure. Like, this kid is, like, obviously not well. And, like, I'm the one, like, vomiting in, in, the, in the ER room. But that turned into a six-month pediatric cancer ordeal. But the beginning parts were a lot of watching and waiting, right? When they were like, well, no, we think it's a UTI. Actually, it's a, this different kind of bacteria. See a, uh, what was that, infectious disease doctor. And then as soon as they said like, oh, why don't you just consult with the oncologist? I was like, no one consults with an oncologist. If you're consulting with an oncologist, like cancer's on the table. And both of us thought, I, or at least I thought that there's an she didn't have cancer. They're just being overly cautious. Um, and then, yeah, sure enough, after that end of that four months, then they then they finally told us that, yeah, she has a tumor. That turned into like a watching and waiting and going in every two weeks and measuring the size of her tumor and knowing that there was like a tumor in your baby that you were going every two weeks to see if it was getting larger. And it was just the most horrendous, awful part of life. Because we live in America and we have to think about these kinds of things, Rocky and Ogden had to have a conversation about how they'd pay to keep Satya healthy. I remember we had one conversation where we both decided, like, look, if this turns into a two, three-year thing, we need, one, we need money to get through it and we need to make sure we sort of have insurance. So Rocky said, I'm going to deal with it you worry about work because if, if both of us are out of work, that's going to just create a whole nother set of issues. So she really took the hard part of it. And I made sure that I didn't lose my job and made sure that Satya had what she needed. Then Rocky had to deal with the, the day-to-day of scheduling appointments, dealing with the insurance people, making sure that each of the doctor's appointments were set, that, oh, if the insurance wasn't going to cover this, then uh, we got to do this. I mean, Ro- Rocky handled the the majority of it. Oh, it was like the worst. I think at that time, I remember saying it to you, but like, we knew, I knew, and you knew that we had each other. And together, we were going to be able to take care of her. If one of us was going to fall apart, the whole thing was going to fall apart. Yeah, I don't think there was any question of us. We would have had problems something would have happened to her. And problems is probably a stronger. I don't think we would have had problems. I think we just each individually would have had problems that would have made problems. I think we just both became like really hyper-focused on her <laughs> getting better. And that was what each day was about. Yeah. But I agree with you. I thought, I mean, I used to think about that a lot too. I think I said it to you also. That like, you know, it's easier for us to kind of look at our life and see all of the joy and happiness and hopefulness in it now because we come from this place of 
having survived. And we come from this place of intense and deep gratitude, right? Yeah. I never let myself think that, like, her dying was a possibility. They'd actually gotten really lucky to have found the cancer at all. It was all because Rocky was so persistent that something was wrong, and they had a wonderful pediatrician who actually listened to her. She had neuroblastoma. is hard to detect. It is often, um, there are no symptoms, and you find at three-year-old well visits, the doctor or the parents, like, press the kid's abdomen. It feels hard. They take the, the child to the doctor, and then it's a much different journey. Their next five months were consumed with tests, tests, and more tests. In that moment when you are incredibly powerless and you are on your knees and you are begging for life. But I, I think a lot of what made things maybe a little easier for us is we worried about what we could control. Rocky, the appointment's out three weeks. Can we get it in a week? Yeah, so it, it sort of gives you something to do so you're not thinking about your kid being sick all the time, right? And you're thinking about, here's the couple things I can do and your mind's somewhere else and it's yeah. not on worrying about being your kid being sick because if you let that be your only thought, you're, it's horrible. Your head goes to crazy places and that's not what you want. The, I mean, the doctors and the nurses are basically, I don't know, they're earth angels. Like we could not have loved them any harder and they could not, like I remember the oncologist, Dr. Harris, just holding Satya in his arms and kissing her head and just like rocking her. And it was so, it felt like he was hers and you just knew that he was going to do everything he could for her. But in that moment, I know we were sleeping in the hospital and we were, I was sleeping in the, in the bed with Satya and Ugin was on the sofa. And I think there was like so little, there was so little talking that we did, right? It was like, we talked about the things that we needed to talk about. And there was a lot of just like physically being with each other. That was really comforting. And like playing with Satya and just trying to, yeah. to find small bits of joy in the day. Satya had her surgery to remove the neuroblastoma on September 11th, 2014. I, I remember, you know, I think maybe it's like the Indian in me, but um, I remember thinking that it was a bad day to have a surgery. I remember thinking that it was, I should reschedule it because it was a day of such intense loss. And that we shouldn't we shouldn't take her to the to, to the hospital that day to have life saving surgery. And I was like, we have to take the first available appointment. Our job is to get her healthy. And so we took her. I, I, it was like such a funny thing. So we took her that day. And I just every year I rem, I I am reminded of like the gravity of like the personal gravity, and then just like the larger story of loss of that day. And it's just it is a weird it is a weird day. So our cancer story is a short and happy one. It was five to six months, and we knew that she was going to live a very long, healthy life. It was just before her first birthday that we got an all clear. And by cancer standards, like, we really lived a dream and a miracle. A miracle is as good a time as any to take a break, right? Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. 
The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. It was a month later that the doctors declared Satya cancer-free. Rocky and Ogden could breathe again. Maybe they could even be a couple again instead of just being these terrified parents fighting for their baby's life. They could even leave Satya with her grandmother and go to a wedding out of town. You were officiating and I was, the wedding. And I was officiating the <laughs> wedding. Uh, and so Rocky wasn't going to even go. Yeah. We went and spent, you know, three days in Martha's Vineyard. And it was like the three best days. I agree. Me, you, and my breast pump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my parents were in town and Ro- Rocky's parents, uh, they, they were obviously very happy too. And so they were more than happy to take her. And it was just, it, it was three days of just not having to worry about anything. And uh, that that's the part I really remember about afterwards. That is so funny to hear you say that, like the freedom feeling, because we've actually never talked about that part, but um, I, I hardly even remember that wedding. I, I hardly even remember it, because I just, I just remember like having a really good night's sleep in Martha's Vineyard at that at that um, hotel, you know, yeah. we could see. I, I remember having a really good night's sleep there, but I don't remember much because I guess I I had been running, like, hard for months at that point, right? And I, I don't think I, I believed it quite then, to, to be honest. It took me some time um, to really, to make my peace with her health. I was really fearful. I was... I was um, I was very angry. I felt like I had um, I had checked out of so many things during that six month period, where I was like in this like hyper survival mode. I don't think you and I had a conversation that wasn't about cancer in like six months. You know, yeah. how could we? Like nothing else was happening in the world as far as I was concerned. Yeah, nothing else mattered. And so it was like. It was, I had to rebuild myself. I had to rebuild us, you know? Like, I felt like there was a lot of rebuilding that had to happen after to really come out the other side and to make peace with the the anger that I felt about being robbed of having, of being a new mom, right? Now, when I think about it, I can see how I felt that way, but it's also, like, it is incredibly small-minded in some ways to be like, oh, I was robbed of being a new mom. Like, I was given a second chance at being a mom is really what that was. I think for me, I really had to... I had to take some time and make some peace with what had happened because 
she survived and I survived and Uggen survived, but there was a loss that happened at that time. And it was a loss of safety and it was a loss of confidence and it was a a loss of... It was just, I think, a loss of... Um, of what that could have been for us, right? And I and I I needed to fully feel all of those like ugly parts, all of those real sort of vulnerable things to be able then to kind of understand the bigger messages and the bigger like what was still to come for us. And so it was a lot of writing and a lot of journaling and a lot of taking time for myself. Um I started running. I had never run before. And I started running, and every time I would run, I would cry. And I still, till today, it is like four years, five years later, I still cry so many times when I run or when I spin, and I really think it's because there's something about that release that just brings me back to letting go of a lot of that pain and and starting to feel free and whole again. Agen, Rocky, and Satya are all survivors, and they know they're blessed. But going through having a sick baby completely changed the course of Rocky and Agen's marriage and their family for the better. Yeah, I, I think about it a lot now too, right? Because there are so many things that happen in your marriage or in my marriage or in the in in your child's life that are disappointing, right? It's disappointing when something happens, like something shitty happens at school. It's disappointing when your child isn't the first one to read. It's disappointing when your child is on a wait list for a private school. It's all disappointing. Life is full of these like small, insignificant disappointments. But it is very hard to focus on them when you're like me or like us and you know that all of this didn't have to be for you. It was almost all erased. And you got this second chance to, like, be a mom and to be a family. And I just can't help but think that the second chance is to just see the world clearly and live it in this, to live it not only presently, but to live all of it and to feel all of it and to really squeeze out the joy in it. Because focusing on that little shit, it just brings the whole thing down. By any means, right? We both care about being successful, but, and we're not worried about, like Rocky said, her, oh, is she going to be the best reader? Is she going to be the smartest? Is she going to be this? Is she going to be that? Uh, and we're more just happy that she's here. Yeah. And it's like, is she happy? Is she going to, you know, be the kind of person who, who brings joy to others, who understands that like her place in this world isn't taken for granted because it, it almost wasn't. And that we all live a life that's ours, but also of service to other people. Tell me what Satya is like now. She she's such a delicious, delightful little soul. She's she's incredibly funny, but she's also so curious and she's so confident and she's so she like loves us so much. Like she comes home every day with like notes from school and pictures that she's drawn and they just say mama and dada and satya over and over she writes these word three words all the time yeah and i always i can't i save some of them i not all of them i she knows i throw most of them out cuz i'm a monster but i i i can't help but notice how many times she writes mama dada satya cuz i always thought that i'd have three children 
and I have one, but we are this unit of three. And I think that power that I feel, she feels it in her heart too. Every time I see her write those three words, it just breaks me apart. She's full of life. She lights up a room. I don't think there's anyone who's around her who you can't you can't help but smile when you're with her. And I think that's true of a lot of little kids. But I, I you know, because she's ours, you just feel different about her. Where you don't have to plan activities with her. She's just nuts. She'll just do anything. She'll tell you jokes. Even though she's five years old, she feels like she's 18 or 19. The way the things that she says to you. And, uh, and and we've gotten that from a lot of other people too. People just say she's just she's a lot of fun to be around. In our family, she just brings a lot of joy. Last year, Rocky wrote a children's book inspired by Satya. It's taken off like crazy. Kids and parents actually stop Satya on the street in Hoboken, where they live, and New York, where Rocky works, and ask if she is the super Satya. It was really born out of a need to. She's, she loves to dress like Wonder Woman. And there was like no little brown girls in the bookstore that were superheroes. And I just thought that was bullshit. And so it was really fun to write the story for her. I had an audience of one in my mind and she loved it. And after asking me for it for a few months, I decided, you know what, let me just take a chance. I sent it to my agent and we ended up selling it. And it's been this like really sweet journey because I wrote it for this audience of one, but I get notes from moms and dads and kids Every week, telling me how this book is like just like them, just like their family, their favorite book. And it just, it kind of reaffirms for me that our stories are, they start with us. But I think when we share them and we give them light, it just, when you bring the whole world in, your story just feels like it matters so much more and you can live it so much more deeply. You can't help but picture the future. When a relationship is new, we think about what it'll look like in a year, five years, 10, 50 years down the road. Where we'll live, what kind of family we'll create, how we'll look when we've grown old together. Even though we know that nothing in life is certain, that we can't choose how things turn out, we keep imagining anyway. Rocky and Ogden didn't picture Satya's cancer. It's not something any of us ever want to imagine. So when life threw it at them, they had no choice but to act and to rely on each other. And their story still has a happy ending. We have this like happy tale to tell at the end of it, but also because um, we absorbed all of the pain. All of the pain, all of the dread, all of the fear was ours. This child is five she will never remember a single part of that experience. And that is such a huge, enormous blessing.
This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. Special thanks to Rocky Mercandandi and Agen Singh. It was produced by Ramsey Yunt and edited by Ramsey Yunt and Tristan McNeil. Live sound recording by Joe DeGran. Mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Julie Douglas, and Tyler Klang. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Super Satya. To find out about the ventures of Super Satya, pick up a copy of Rocky Mercandandi's children's book, Super Satya Saves the Day, wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.